What am I saying here? Can we edit this out? Welcome to the Church Mag Podcast. How should church tech prepare for the holidays? Church Marketing Sucks editor Kevin Hendricks and Jeremy shares a post about blogging. How should church tech prepare for the holidays? Guys, the holidays are here or about to be here, and there's one time of year that can be really busy for everybody, quite frankly, but for church tech especially, because you don't have a lot of people trained, per se, for church tech. The holidays brings a little extra stress a lot of times. You have special services, special programs, special music, and you know maybe you need to go on a trip to visit family. And so, you know, the holidays are stressful enough. What are some things that church tech teams should keep in mind as they prepare for the holidays? I feel like a lot of times churches, when they go into the holiday season, they're prepared and they're over-prepared in all the general aspects. But in a similar situation of understanding what you're doing well, I think that a lot of churches almost miss all the fundamental little details of everything. So you're in a normal session, you're worrying about where everybody's placed, all the audio mics, and in a big setting where you're doing the Christmas pageant and the, the choir comes on, all these other things that you have those big parts of the entire uh, production done. But I, I think a lot of times we miss all the little things that are going on, like the lights or the sound whenever there's transition, a lot of stuff. So from my experience, when we do church technology, we're always too focused on the big stuff that we end up missing all the little things that are going on. And so we, in the end, it looks like we haven't done the effort when in fact, we've probably overdone the effort. And we, I know that there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of anticipation. And so a couple of run throughs are always a good thing. And that helps you get the entire process down. Right. And you know, during the holidays with all the special music and everything, a lot of times you have people that are interacting with the church tech team who are performing or, you know, whatever it may be that aren't normally interacting. So everything is really amped up. We may joke about, you know, the, the stuff from Halloween is put away and then the next day Christmas stuff is out and you're like, wow, you know, we haven't even had Thanksgiving or we're talking about Christmas, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of empowerment when you plan ahead. So, you know, as annoying and silly as that may sound to start so early, uh, with the holidays, you know, planning a lot ahead, getting schedules, you know, what, what if you're short a guy, you know, what if you're, you realize you're a man down, you need to have the time to train somebody to fill the gap. Yeah. I, I think one of the problems that I've noticed when it comes to like holiday scheduling for, uh, protect people or for any any lay person in the church it's it's a twofold problem the the pastoral staff needs to recognize that the lay person is a person they have family plans they have holiday plans they have stresses and things going on that so as, as the pastors plan these huge things like Jeremy said they overplan sometimes these services they don't account for the fact that maybe that lay person needs to go somewhere else that week at the same time I think there's something to be said for there's some lay people in our church that I know that doesn't matter what holiday it is, they're going to be here because in their minds that it's their commitment to serve. So I think it goes both ways. There has to be a sometimes in my mind it's it's you need to expect you know what I've made a commitment. I may not get to plan my holiday the way I want to plan it. At the same time as a pastor is beginning to plan 
their massive mega holiday spectaculars, they need to realize maybe John won't be there this week. Maybe he's got family plans. Let's pull him in on this and see what he thinks. Maybe we need to, like you said, Eric, maybe we need to train somebody extra or, or additional, get somebody else preparing who can be here that week and so they can be set up to go. I also would say um, along that lines that a lot of churches overcommit and because they have to work the holiday weekend, they don't get those times off or they don't take the vacation that they should. From my experience, and it's very unfortunate, working church tech, a lot of times the other pastors, the other church leaders are very begrudgingly wanting to work. They're not the nicest people to work with. And in some sense, they're overwhelmed with everything that's going on. They get the content to you last minute. The worship team makes changes to everything that throws you off completely. In some respects, church technology is at its worst during the holiday because everybody else is off their A-game. For church technology people, it doesn't change depending from holiday to normal season. But everybody else, in the way they interact with you, People are not nice because they're overwhelmed or they're tired and they're overworked. And everybody else in the process just simply does not have the same accountability during that time. Oh, it's Christmas. Don't worry about it. I'll get it to you eventually. No, let's keep to the plan. Let's make sure you get this ahead of me ahead of time so I can get it out and I can make sure that it's great so that we have a great presentation whenever we have it on Sunday. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of power in church techies, if you will, knowing that and understanding that everyone experiences that. And if you know it ahead of time, I, I think there's a lot of power in in one, knowing that other guys experience the same thing, the same, you know, conflict or stress of, of people kind of coming at you. You know, you're in, you're in the sound booth and people come in and, and they're, you know, they're kind of amped up a little bit more than they usually are, a little bit more stressed for all sorts of reasons. I think knowing that other guys are experiencing that too, um, there's a lot of power in that. You know, you don't feel like the only one and it becomes a little bit less personal. It's not really about you. It's about the circumstances. And then I think the other thing is that if you know it's going to happen ahead of time, you can really prepare yourself, you know, so that you can be really easy to work with. You can accommodate people and you can treat them, treat them well and you can treat them uh, and be kind and nice despite how they may or may not treat you. And I would also say that with this holiday season, this is one of the best times to evaluate how the church works with your program. If you're the leader of the group, advocate for yourself, advocate for your volunteers and your staff. And at the same time, evaluate the process. Is there issues with how the, the senior pastor gets you the message? Is there ways that things can get improved next time? And because it's so difficult right now to make these transitions to um, be as flexible with other people as that as it's possible that some of the worst parts of the process might come out and you can make the the entire delivery much better for the next year as you're as you're moving on. Right. And I think some of these some of these points that we're talking about here are things that if you are a tech team of two, if you're a tech team of ten or one hundred, or even a worship team, that you talk about this and get this out in the open. There's something really powerful, I think, about talking about it, getting it out in the open, saying, Hey, this is how everyone kind of feels. Uh, you brought up some great points, Jeremy, as far as looking at our systems and how things work and you can just kinda just Getting that out in the open, I think, can really add a lot of grace into uh, the holiday season as as it rapidly approaches. I think, too, that um, the holiday season is one of the most stressful and sometimes potentially isolating times for people. 
So there's a way for the Church Tech team to bring some fun to church tech and holiday season. You look around, kids' churches having their parties and their and their, and their Christmas program, uh, the youth groups, you know, doing this. You know, the worship team's playing Christmas carols sometimes on uh, Sunday service. Everyone's having fun with the holidays, and the tech team is still slaving away, trying to make it all work together. If there's a way for them to have fun, that would make it, I think, so much easier. So what you're essentially advocating here, Phil, is that the answer to the question that we posed at the beginning of the podcast is to how you should approach the holidays as a tech team. The answer is preparation and donuts. <laughs> well, okay, we put it like this. Our, our church, the uh, Sunday... Bacon? <laughs> bacon helps. Bacon always helps. Bacon heals all wounds. <laughs> um, our church, the Sunday before Thanksgiving this year, because Thanksgiving is the last... is. The last week of the month and next week's December, um, we used to have a Thanksgiving meal, but we're we're running like 300, 400 sometimes now. So that's just it's not going doesn't work very well. No one gets enough food. It's a lot of work and just it's tiring. So instead, we end our morning service and about three o'clock, everyone comes back, and instead of having a, instead of having our usual evening service from three to about five or six, we all decorate the church. And like so, the youth group goes and decorates the youth room, and the kids decorate the ki- the kids room. That's a great time for the tech team. Decorate the sound booth. Oh snap! Put a tiny tree in the sound booth. Put some Christmas lights around the sound booth. Have a little bit of fun for the holidays together as a team. That's great, Phil. That's great. And you know, the more you talk about your church, the more I want to go there. <laughs> we're we're doing a lot of cool stuff. I'm very excited. Our uh, our, our lead pastor has been here. For a little bit, little bit under a year, and he's a he's a young guy. He's uh, got a lot of cool ideas. So, as tech teams prepare for the holidays, preparation goes a long ways. Talk to your tech team. Talk about you know, talk about this stuff. You know, it's going to be stressful, and and uh, we need to have grace for people, and we're here to serve. And then end it all off with lots of coffee, donuts, bacon, and definitely some decorations. And if you buy me an iPad, I will not complain, and I will feel loved and have a little joy. And, you know, Jeremy, you joke about that, but let's think of this. What if for Christmas, the church bought the tech team. Phil, it wasn't a joke. I'm pretty sure he was dead serious. If you give, I mean, come well, on. That's true. The iPad Air came out. I mean, give Jeremy an iPad Air. Of course he's going to be that's happy. That's true. That's true. Come on, Bob. <laughs> I think if we, uh, if the church sits down and says, okay, we, we have some, some money, some space here. What if we bought the church tech team? X, Y, X and Y. They've been asking for X, Y, and Z. What if we bought the tech team? This thing they've been wanting to use for the church, you know what I'm saying? Kind of a weird concept. Instead of, because some churches, you know, give their lay people like a, you know, a gift card or, or something other to to bless them with the holiday season. If if I'm a church, if I'm a church tech guy. I don't want ten bucks to Starbucks. I mean, I do, but I would rather instead of giving all five or six of us ten bucks to Starbucks, buy that new wireless mic we've wanted. Or can you imagine, guys, how awesome it would be that if that was something that you established. Like the 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 tech team would look forward to say the Christmas service for there to be like this wrap gift, and it would be something like yeah. that. It could be like you know, hey, finally rechargeable batteries, guys, or a new mic, or it's a soundboard. You know, I don't know what it might be, uh, but that that is so such a cool idea. You know, I, I definitely think you might have to write a blog post on that. I just might have to. It's a nerd Christmas. On this episode's five questions, we have with us Kevin Hendricks. He's been blogging since 1998, but you probably know him as the editor of Church Marketing Sucks. He even runs his own writing and editing company, Monkey 
out of nowhere. Kevin, welcome to Church Mag's Five Questions. Hey, Eric. Glad to be here. Awesome. All right. Question number one. Where do you keep your smartphone at night? I keep it uh, at the bottom of my nightstand, uh, plugged in and charging, but flipped over. So that as all the, uh, <laughs> the stuff comes in all night, it doesn't keep coming on because that bothers me. You're, you're not one of these people that keeps it under the pillow and then in the middle of the night checks it. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's a healthy choice. Healthy choice, Kevin. Keep it up. Thanks. All right. Question number two. What is your favorite book? Ooh. I knew this was going to be a hard one because I know you're oh, a reader. Oh, that's a horrible question. So that's why mean. I picked it to be the second question. Get it. Get it. <laughs> Get it out of here right away. Um, yeah, I read so many books. Um, for those who don't know, I actually wrote a book uh, at the beginning of this year um, called 137 Books in One Year, uh, how to, basically how to read more, because uh, I read so many books last year. Um, so I did read 137 books last year, and this year I met like 117, um, so it's not like last year was a fluke. Uh, so I do read a lot of books. Um, picking a single favorite is impossible. Um, some of my my recent favorites, um, Ready Player One by Ernest Cline uh, was a, a one of my favorite reads from last year. Um, that's kind of this sci-fi online gaming super geeky uh, type story. But really accessible. Uh, another favorite is um, uh, The Martian by Andy Weir. Uh, it was it was self-published uh, this past year, and then it got picked up uh, by a major publisher and is coming out in February for its official release. It's about this guy who gets stranded on Mars uh, and kind of stuck there for a couple of years before he can get rescued. Just an incredible sci-fi story. Just fun to read. That's one of my favorites from this year. And, you know, I could probably just keep going on and on talking about my favorite stuff, whether it's Anne Lamott or John Green. Uh, I started reading uh, Rainbow Rowell uh, as a kind of a teen author in the past couple of weeks, and I'm just in love with her stuff. The Time Traveler's Wife is one of my favorite books from this year. Hugh Howey's Wool uh, is really good. Yeah, asking me about my favorite book is, is just a good way to derail things. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, almost 250 books, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, that's... That's remarkable. I, I would say probably what people ought to read from your recommendations first is the how to read 137 <laughs> books in a year. That's probably where they should start because the only way they're going to catch up with your recommendation list is to know how to consume that much literature in only one year. Yeah, and, it, and it's I'll just say it, it's really about enjoying the books. I don't. It sounds like I'm bragging when I say how many books I read. And yeah, I, it does a little bit. I'll, I'll be honest, Kevin. It does sound like I, you're bragging a little bit. I, I don't mean to brag because it's not. It's not like I plow through all these tiny books trying to have. <laughs> I, I do love reading for the joy of reading. What you do That's today, a, honey? I read ten Berenstein Bear books. Do you have any other questions? <laughs> I am on this. Well, I hope this makes the I hope I hope this third question is a little bit easier for you to answer. And that is what are your three most favorite blogs? Ooh, three most favorite blogs. That's a pretty good question. Um I'm I'm probably not going to give you the answer you want because well, I'm not looking I, for a specific answer. <laughs> I mean, this is wide open. Well, the, I always find the it answer curious. you want would be I'm the editor of Church Marketing Sucks, and so I have the top three no, church no. communication blogs. No, no, but, no. Yeah. I mean, it's just like accountants don't balance their checkbook. Psychologists are a little crazy. I mean, come on. Good, good. 
<laughs> um, so the, the three blogs I go to when I want to just catch up on stuff and know what's happening, uh, kotki.org uh, is a big one. He always has just weird, interesting stuff uh, that's kind of fun to read. AndrewSullivan.com um, for my, my kind of uh, whenever I need that political fix or I want to know what's going on. He always has kind of interesting links and interesting perspectives on politics enough where I can I can read it and then and then be like, OK, I'm done. That's all like I'm not going to obsess. I'm not going to because politics is that kind of thing where you can just get sucked into. And pretty right. soon you're, you're that guy on Facebook posting angry diatribes and, and offending all your, all right. your friends o- over an onion article. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't be that guy. Um yeah, so Andrew Sullivan's fun for that. And he also throws out a lot of non-political stuff, which is just interesting. Like Sundays, he does a lot of spiritual kind of related stuff. Hmm. Um, so I have found a few church marketing things to tweet about from there. And then uh, boingboing.net is fun for just um, you know crazy, weird, techie stuff. And then kind of that, I don't know what you'd call it, that kind of outsider, leftist, liberal you know the watch out for big brother kind of stuff right Um, right. (laughs) sometimes it's fun to kind of get that perspective and sometimes i'm right on with it and sometimes i'm like (laughs) okay guys calm down a little bit all right question number four what is your favorite thing about being editor of church marketing sucks probably my favorite thing about being editor of church marketing sucks um is is and this is just going to sound like i'm trying to suck up to somebody but um (laughs) i i just really love pushing churches to communicate the greatest story ever told better. Right. Um, I feel like we're so bad at that and it's, it deserves so much better. And so I, I really, I really love just helping churches and church communicators figure out how to do that better and kind of dive into all the issues of what that means, whether it's, you know, big picture, uh, philosophy strategy type stuff mm-hmm. of, of is marketing. Okay. And are we doing this right? And, you know, how do we do this? Uh, you know, then getting into the nitty gritty, how to stuff of, you know, how do I do Facebook and, and what's the best way to get, uh, you know, responses on social media, kind of helping churches figure all that stuff out. Yeah, I just, I really enjoy doing that. I've been with Church Marketing Sucks since the beginning in 2004. So clearly I'm, I'm not tired of it. <laughs> been around for a while and um, I just really enjoy kind of pushing those buttons and trying to trying to get churches to, to understand how to do this and, and then to get on board with, with doing it better. Well, you're doing an excellent job, Kevin. Thank you. It's good fifth, to hear. Fifth and final question for the Church Mag Podcast Five Questions. What did you want to grow up and be when you were seven years old? As long as I can remember, probably, I don't know if it was before I was seven or not, um, but I'm sure by seven, I, I always wanted to be a writer. Um, I'm that ridiculous person who always knew what they wanted to be and then grew up and did that. <laughs> so I don't know how that quite worked out. But I've, I've just always loved to write. Uh, you know, I wrote my first book in first grade, Mike, comma, the cat. A thrilling read. Um, and I was, you know, I was cranking out stories, um, you know, that young in elementary school, uh, first, second, third grade. The horrible stories, but, you know, I was cranking them out. Just always wanted to be a writer and thought that would be the greatest thing ever. Um, I probably thought I would be more of a, a novelist and, and, you know, writing fiction stuff. Right. Uh, which I like to try to do, but I'm, I'm not very good at. Uh, I'd have a hard time following through with and have, a, have an even harder time getting paid at. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, being a writer is kind of what I've always wanted to do, and, and I get to make a living at it, which is 
just has to be the greatest thing in the world. And I'm so thankful and thrilled and ecstatic that I get to do that. Absolutely. Well, you know, being able to do that is certainly a blessing, and it certainly shows in the work that you do with Church Marketing Sucks and all the work you do there, as well as your own writing and editing company, Monkey Out of Nowhere, which I assume is still is still. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, we're busy. Awesome, awesome. Just wanted to make sure before I left that in there. So <laughs> anyway. Thank you, Kevin, for being on Church Mag Podcast. Five questions. Thanks for having me. All right, time for some top posts or posts from around the web. Jeremy, what do you have for us, man? ProBlogger over on ProBlogger.net has a great article about finishing whatever you're starting. Is ProBlogger.net different than ProBlogger.com? ProBlogger.com is a community website, and yeah. ProBlogger.net is like a is different. They're the same company, it looks like. You're so pro. Yep. All right. So ProBlogger.net has a great article out about how to do blogging well in the sense of this specific article is the idea that you don't have to always finish what you start. And in some regards, I think for me personally, a lot of what I do with blogging always comes down to just you sit down, you do the research for the article, you hash it out, find a great image, and then you go. And that's really how I do a lot of blogging. Eric, you've probably seen I don't have very many draft articles whenever I do it. I know a lot of people, they just throw out a bunch of ideas, put them on blog article, save it as a draft and come back to it later. But he has a lot of great ideas of how to do this well. Um, I think there's a couple of links or maybe we need to add another link to it. But he talks about how he schedules also his entire week on around blogging and how to do this well, that you just dedicate some time to it. And in some regards, when you get to that time, if you don't have an article and it's not an emergency crisis mode, you just move on. You let it sit there for a while. You come back to it. And in some ways, that actually makes your articles better because then you have to come back. You have to review what you did. You have to use all the experience that you've been thinking about since you last started writing on it. And it really makes the entire process a lot better. Yeah, I would definitely concur with that. Too often, it's like what you're saying, Jeremy. You sit down, you hammer them out, you're done. But if you go back, you revisit them, you not only catch more mistakes, but when you read it, you go, hey, you know, I'm not being been very clear here or there. And so there is definitely a lot of power in that. I've, I've definitely seen that. And I would like to see the point where uh, to, to get Church Mag to become higher quality. I'm not satisfied as the editor of Church Mag. I am not satisfied with the quality of content that we put out. I'm not happy with the amount of errors because I know they're there. I'm not always happy with the kind of content or the depth of the content we put out. And so I'm hoping that, you know, as perhaps maybe uh, time goes on, (laughs) uh, as things kind of evolve, that we'll be able to eventually take things up a notch um, for Church Mag and, and do that kind of stuff more, even personally, myself, as I, as I draft articles and write articles. I mean, as you guys know, uh, we schedule a week out. And so, for instance, today I'm blogging for Wednesday. I'm actually blogging for the next week of Wednesday. And so th- some things get shuffled around and rescheduled and stuff like that. And so that's kind of been the first step. Because back in the day, uh, I would write for the day of. And so if something came up and there was a lot of stress and I couldn't get them all written, then it was short that day. And I know that, that doing just that alone has made a big difference in the quality. And that's going to be the next step is exactly what you outlined, Jeremy. Definitely a challenge to 
all the bloggers out there. I think it's a kind of a shift in mentality of how you're doing blogging of, are you intentionally worried about the article or are you intentionally worried about the viewer? Or in some regards, are you just technically worried about the brand? And I think branding is important for blogs, but I think that we take it way too seriously in some regards and we're not worried enough about the content and the viewers that we care about what we're delivering that we need to be consistent. And I think that it can be difficult to understand at first until you really begin to dig into it. And it sounds condescending and a little uppity. I don't mean it to sound that way. When you are operating a blog that has a lot of traffic, has readership, there becomes this tension between producing content, providing content that has page page views to have advertisers. And it isn't necessarily the advertisers. You're having the advertisers to make lots of money because there isn't a lot of money made on this thing. What you're doing is, is you are you are covering the costs because when you have a blog, as it grows, and we always talk about blog growth and the importance of it, but that growth comes with a price, and that is the responsibility of hosting it and making sure that you can handle the traffic, okay? And so there's this tension that kind of is created when you begin to have a, a bigger readership, and then there's the pressure of creating more. And so you're, you're saying, you know, well, you know, this article isn't up to speed, so I'm not going to publish today. Well, if you don't publish today, then you're going to lose X amount of page views. And if you lose X amount of page views, it's going to hurt your advertisers, and your advertisers are going to pull out, and then suddenly you're stuck with a really expensive hosting bill. And so there's this, it's a tension that you're always wrestling with, and it's not good, and it's not bad. It is what it is. So I I think that that sometimes plays a part in it, too. Well, it's... I mean, put like this. There's a there's a um, a range in blog size that uh, is like a white elephant stage, to where the blog is doing well and that's great, but it's doing so well that it's it's costing a lot, and it and then that adds in the pressure of okay, how do I pay for this? I have a n- number of domain names and websites that I I'm I'm running, um, and I've tried tried creating my own little personal blog empire, and it didn't pan out because I've got a full-time job and then I work for, and I work at the church. So I don't have the time for it. So I'm eating that cost like constantly, which is, which is okay. I'm okay doing that because I want to hold on to my real estate for now. But that's, you know, with domain names and hosting, that's like 250 bucks a year or 300 bucks. Yeah. That I'm eating. And that after a while that can really wear on you. Right. Just for the basics. And oh, yeah. if you do invest that time and you write all those posts, then you have to think about like, okay, you know, I, I probably should back these up because I've I've poured a lot of energy and time into this and I don't want to lose it all. Right. And so there's there's all these things that kind of begin to come up with with that. Uh, it, it's not as simple as it looks. I remember when I first started looking at things, I'd be like, wow, look at what that blog is charging for an ad. They must be rolling in the dough. I mean, I'm I'm doing the math on the sidebar here. This is incredible. Not having a clue, not thinking. You know, like, wow, hosting, that's like, what, five bucks? <laughs> if only we could run Church Mag off of GeoCities. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, you're you're kind of on the edge of that, Jeremy. I mean, you're getting like, what, eight or 10,000 uh, a month on 78 productions? Yeah. Yeah, and so you're kind of, you're, you're getting close to that brink, and you've written enough blog posts that you're kind of like, eh, you know. Well, and if you're, unless you are like a amazing superhuman blogger, after a while, once you start realizing some of this details as far as talking about costs and whatnot, I think that 
you've probably already drained a lot of the creative stuff that you brought to the table. Right. And you've already used your best material. And so what are you drawing from? Exactly. That whole system you create around it is lacking. And so as you're creating these new blog posts, I think that not finishing it, as the article says, is really, in some regards, giving credence to the fact that you might not be creating great content right now. And that's the process of it. So I think that coming back to the article that allowing yourself not to necessarily finish an article is a good thing. I agree. You know, that's, that's kind of why I stopped um, blogging on my own for a while is that uh, I kind of ran out of a lot of content, a lot of ideas. I didn't have time to, I didn't have time to generate content. And the way I generate content is by, by reading and by discussing with others. And I I feel like, Sometimes bloggers forget to, in, the, in their haste to generate posts and to generate page views and thereby generate money, they forget. If I'm not living life, I'm not putting fuel in my own creative tank. That's so true. So I'm not, I'm not going to anything to, to churn out. There's nothing there left to, 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 to burn out. Yeah, and I think that that has been the success and some of the beauty that Church Mag has had being that it is more of a community. It's not a one-man show. And so... With that ebb and flow, you know, you guys are able to write with that ebb and flow. And I, I know personally, you know, I have like a hard slamming week. And I know this this past month I was really slammed and I was having a hard time keeping up. And Jeremy just dropped like a phenomenal number of posts in a week. And I'm like, well, look who we're going to schedule this week. I mean, this is going to be like Jeremy week. I mean, this is like awesomeness. And it was it was so nice. And then when I got back to writing, I, I remember I started like the first post of the day and I'm like, it was like I couldn't stop. I'm like, wow, this is great. I have feel like there's so much that I can say because I had that that little bit of rest, you know. So you're absolutely right about that. Great tip. I, I will say, if you want to make the first week in October always dedicated Jeremy Week and celebrate. <laughs> that. Okay, all right. First week in October is Jeremy Smith Week. Yeah, if Church Mag's a community, that's that's his community service. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, you know, it's pretty amazing the whole how it all kind of works. It seems like um, about half of, of those that are interested in writing for us, which if anyone out there listening is interested in writing for us, just email me because, you know, we don't we're, – we're not that hardcore. I mean, we have standards, but – You have standards, and then you ask me into the church mag, so then <laughs> standards are gone. I'll, I'll tell you, when uh, – it's been like, what, two years now that I've been with church mag? And when I wrote that first post as part of that, um, I wrote a follow-up post to the Garden in the City blog tour. And then, like, I think I think it posted near the end of November. And so, like, the next week, I got an email from PayPal saying I had money in my account. And I was like, what? <laughs> I got money from what? And I pulled it up, and I thought, and I called my wife and said, Caitlin, I got paid money for a blog post. And then she, her first answer was, that's great. And then she said, how much? And I said, I don't even know. <laughs> I just called you. <laughs> so it's, you know, it, yeah, it, you're totally right. That, that first post, you're like, well, yeah, I got, I got paid for words. That's incredible. I give this up for free every day. Yeah, I, I still remember uh, three years in December, my first uh, first post on Church Mag. Then the 8-Bit Network dropped, and I remember getting my first PayPal check or first PayPal thing, and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. (laughs) Fast forward three years, and here we are today, doing a podcast. All right, guys, uh, 
I think we pretty much beat the crap out of that blog post that Jeremy provided. Awesome. It was a good post, Jeremy. I guess we'll do this again sometime, guys. Totally. Indeed. Do you remember Fraggle Rock? Of course, of course. Those little tiny people that built structures in the dozers. I think it's a tiny civilization, those guys, in my nose right now. Dude, you have dozers in your nosers? I, I think I got dozers in my nosers. That just became a blooper right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted by Buzzsprout.com. This is a Church Mag Production.